Thank you for listening to the Moral Revolution Podcast. In this session, Nathan Edwardson will be sharing a message entitled, Exposing the False Gods of America. This is the third message in a seven-part series. One of the questions we ask is, why don't we talk about sex in the two places we need it the most, in the home and in the church? And so we've got to shout, this is God's gift to us, we've got to shout this from the rooftops and really shape a generation for sex and not hide it from them. Um, that just leads to the, the, the places that our generation is already at. This whole series we've been in, Money, Sex, and Power, I, I want you to take this whole series and place it in the context of discipleship and community. And so this isn't just for you. This is really to equip you to best be able to disciple a generation. And that's what God's called us to do, to disciple a generation, to disciple men and women and couples and kids and to really give ourselves. And when it comes to money and sex and power, sometimes these are the areas that it's like it's off limits. And we talk about your prayer life and we talk about your devotional life. And we talk about all this stuff, but when it comes to money, sex and power, we just don't talk about it. It's really important that this stuff, I mean, is this, is this stuff relevant to anyone? Anyone ever think about money or sex or power? I, am I the only one? And, okay. And so take this thing and place it in the context of the people you're walking with. And we're just assuming the call on our church is to disciple a generation. We're assuming that you're a part of that somehow, that you're meeting with someone through the week, that you're meeting one-on-one or with a group of men or women or in a life group, and that you guys are unpacking this stuff and asking hard questions about money and bodies and, and, and power and all this stuff. So this, is, this whole series is to equip you. A few weeks ago, we, um, we, we began talking about money, and we said this. We said that all of life belongs to God. It's all God's. And that all of life is a gift from God to us. That everything we have, our money, our, our cash, our paychecks, and our stuff, and our homes, and our future, and our tax returns, it's all God's. It's a gift from Him. It belongs to Him, and He entrusts it to us. And we talked about that. How do you live fully given with what God's given to you, what He's entrusted to you? And we talked about bringing the, the first and the best of everything that God's given you. And, and we as a leadership team and we as a staff and as a core family, we, we want to live in a way that we bring the first and the best to God week after week. And this is a, as an act of trust that it, it all comes from you, God. We talked about um, using wisely what God's given to us. Last week we talked about rooster party and one of the creative ways that, that we can gather artists in our nation and around the world to fuel the things that God's doing, to fuel his passions like adoption and and other things um, on the earth that God burns for. And we talked about enjoying everything God's given us, that life's meant to be enjoyed. As an act of gratitude, we enjoy. It's, it's not we just give everything away. It's no, enjoy what God's given to you, but, but don't hold it so tightly. Let's remember whose it is, and that it's a gift from Him. We talked about being generous with the poor, and there's so many ways that we live um, this, this, uh, this life with money, and we follow Jesus, and at the same time, money can be used for good on the earth. At the same time, money's a rival God that wars for the affection of our hearts. And I want to talk about that today. That it's time for us, as the followers of Jesus, to follow Jesus with our money. And I think this is what we do. Back in the 12th century, in the, during the Crusades, 
um, the, these uh, holy nations and armies, they hired out mercenaries from other pagan nations. And they enlisted them in their, in their armies to go and fight this religious war. And because this was a religious war, what they did is they, they baptized all these soldiers before they went out to war. And what they did is they baptized them, and they baptized them, but they held their swords out of the water. And it was a statement saying, my whole life is God's, but with this sword I can do whatever I want. And see, this is what we do with money. There's a sense of like, we get baptized and we hold our wallets and we hold our paychecks and we hold our, you know, our uh, uh, 401ks, we hold them out of the water. There's a sense of my whole life is God's, but with my money, I can do whatever I want. And we just live this way. And, and, and money is the false God of America. And many of us in this room are bowing down to this false God are worshiping this false God. We are pursuing this false God with our whole lives. And what we want to do today is just expose this false God for what it is. And really, we need an encounter with Jesus that so deeply impacts our hearts that he actually gets our stuff. Guys, we turn to Luke 19, one of the most revolutionary stories in the life of Jesus. Luke 19.1. This is a story about a wee little man. But this story is so much more than just about a wee little man. Any wee little men in the crowd? All right. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in that region. And he had become very rich. He wanted to see Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much, Lord. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man, Zacchaeus, has shown himself to be a true Son of Abraham, which is like the most profound thing you could say about someone in this day. It's like saying he's a child of God. He's living the way of God. He's wrapping his life around the way of Jesus. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Zacchaeus has this life-changing encounter with Jesus. And it so deeply impacts his heart that Jesus actually gets his stuff. This profound encounter he has with Jesus. Now, it says here that he was a wealthy man. He'd become very rich. He was a chief tax collector. And if you know anything about this this culture, um, in this day, the world 
had been conquered by the Roman Empire, the most powerful empire in all of history. And Rome was the most powerful city maybe that it's ever been before. And, and one of these rulers, one of these in charge was Herod the Great. I, I like to call him Herod the Not-So-Great. And here's what he did when Herod got in power. This is the first thing he does. I don't know what you would do, like your first statement of power. First thing Herod does in power is this. Um, he went out and found the 50 wealthiest, most prominent, influential men in the land and had them all murdered and executed. And he stripped their families of all their wealth and all their land. That's like, you know, meet Herod the not so great. So he, he was a very, very wealthy ruler. And he built some of, some of the greatest palaces and he rebuilt the temple and some of the greatest um, buildings in the world in his day. And the, and the more and more that he built, the more and more he taxed the people. And it said that during his reign, during Herod the Great's reign, uh, Herod reduced the entire population to utter helpless poverty. So at this time, it, it was said that 80 to 9% of the people were, were absolutely poor as can be. He stripped them of everything. And so what you have is you have like the wealthiest people on earth and the poorest people on earth and they're living side by side in this day. Much like today. He was a murderer. Stripped families of their land. Taxed the people so heavily. Reduced them to poverty. They even found, they excavated on a, a hill here in Jericho, and they found $20,000 bottles of wine in this day. Um, they, they, in this day, these, these religious, wealthy um, rulers um, actually had so much money, they were building summer homes 17 miles away. So could you, could you imagine living in a world where, where you've got wealthy, wealthy people living side by side with the poorest of the poor, and the wealthy people are actually building second homes? Much like today. Well, it's quiet in here. This is going to be fun today. I, my point isn't to offend some of you today. My point is, my point is to offend all of you today because we, we've just got to get at this money thing because money is our God. Many of us are bowing down to this God money and we're giving our whole lives to it. And I'm praying that we have a Zacchaeus moment with Jesus where we bring our false gods before him and we begin to worship the living God with everything we have. So here's Herod the Great and people are absolutely the poorest of the poor. And in this day, the tax collectors stood at the center of this evil, murdering, abusive Roman Empire system. Because it was the tax collectors who worked for, they had given themselves to the Roman Empire to strip everyone of everything they have. And these tax collectors were given permission by Herod the Great and the Roman Emperors to... Um, they, they were given permission to tax people in any way they wanted, to strip them of whatever they wanted, and to keep whatever they wanted, which they did. And so tax collectors and Zacchaeus, the chief tax collectors, were the most hated, despised people of, of their day. There, there wouldn't be anybody that, 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 that 
we would, in our day, go, well, that's Zacchaeus. I mean, th- these, were, these were like the mafia, the Jewish mafia. Because they literally, they, they were abusive and, and they took everything from everyone. They were hated. They weren't even allowed in the temple worship. And apparently Jesus doesn't know that. Because he shows up in Jericho and he goes directly for Zacchaeus. And says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. This is the only passage I can find in the life of Jesus, where Jesus comes right up to someone and speaks their name. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to your house today. And here's what happens. Zacchaeus meets the living God, and his false poser God money gets exposed. That's what happens when, when kingdoms collide, when, when our false gods, when the gods that we've given our hearts to collide with the living God, Jesus. This is what happens. It says that in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and everyone and said this, Lord, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And I, if I've cheated anyone, I love that word, if. And if I've cheated anyone out of their money, I will give them back four times as much. Now, the most profound word here is the word Lord. Because money has been his God. His whole life has been wrapped around pursuing more and more money. Getting richer and richer while everyone else around him gets poorer and poorer. And here he declares Jesus Lord. Here's this moment where he takes his false God, his empty life, and he places it before Jesus. And he declares, Jesus, Lord of everything. This this word Lord here is like, it's all yours now. He meets the living God, Jesus. And it changes everything for Zacchaeus. See, and I believe that much like this culture... And much like this day, money has become the false God of our nation, of really of the world, that we are bowing down to, that we have given our hearts to. And see, money can be used for good, and God entrusts us with money, but at the same time, money's a rival God. Think about this. Money does not rest casually in your wallet or in your bank account. There is a power behind money. And this is why Jesus says, you must choose. You can't serve God and money. You must choose. And Jesus actually names this false god mammon. He uses this word, one of the ancient words for wealth. He says you can't serve God, the living God, and this false god mammon. You must choose. Money is a relentless god. It never stops demanding more of your time and your heart and your passions and your energy. Money will never bow down to Jesus and say, listen, I'm not really the God. Worship Jesus. It is a God that pursues you every day of your life. And there's a a demonic scheme of the enemy, a force, a power beneath your dollar bills, yo, that lives to seduce your heart and to distract your life from Jesus. And many of us, we've, we've given our whole lives to pursuing 
and chasing after money. I mean, how much of our lives do we spend worrying about our finances? How much of our lives do we spend controlling every aspect of our life? Because we're worshiping a false God. And one way to think about it is this, is if, if I asked you, like, how many of you, if I gave you $10,000, how many of you would say, well, man, that would help a bit. That would make my life a bit better. Like, how many could use $10,000 right now? Be honest. How many? Okay, all, all right. All of us except a couple back there. So, um, which I could use $10,000. <laughs> and so if I asked you, all of us would say, hey, I could pay off some debt. You know, maybe I could buy a new car, maybe take a much-needed vacation, you know, I could help put my kids in college. There's a sense if we could all use $10,000. If I asked you that again in six months, how many of you in six months would need $10,000 more? Yeah, I could use $10,000 more. And in a year, yep, of course. And in two years, $10,000 more, that would be great. It never stops pursuing you. Have you ever met anyone that's like, I have enough. I don't need anything more. I've yet to meet that person. Money is a false God that pursues us every day of our life. And this is why Jesus says, hey, you've got to know that you've got to choose. At some point, you need to choose who you will serve. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters. You will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if you know anything about the Hebrew language, the Hebrew language is not a, a language of emotion. It's a language of commitment. It's a, it's a language of devotion. And so you'll read these passages that say, hey, if you're going to love Jesus, you have to hate your family. Now, Jesus isn't really saying hate your family. But he's saying, you've got to choose where your heart will be. And at some point, you've got to decide, will you serve money or will you serve the living God? I was thinking about our culture. And if you're here and you're wondering, well, how, how is money a God? Because isn't it just paper and isn't it just... We'd like to think that, wouldn't we? Think about our culture. Every year, more than 40 billion mail order catalogs are sent to your mailbox and our mailboxes, and every one of them has the same purpose, to brainwash us to want more and to want things that we didn't even know existed. You ever read a magazine or see a commercial, and you're like, I didn't even know that existed, but I want one. I need one now. It's estimated that we are exposed to over 2,000 commercial images every day. By the age of 20, those silly Average Americans have watched over one million commercials, each designed to cultivate dissatisfaction with what we already have, with what God's already given us, the life we are meant to be grateful for now. But we need nicer and newer and bigger and better because the iPhone 4 just isn't doing it for me anymore. I need the 5. They're screaming at us, do not be content You don't have enough. You need more. Eight out of ten families spend more money than they make. 
Recently, more Americans declared bankruptcy than graduated from college. It's always a good sign. Is not money the God of America? The average American household has 10 credit cards and is more than $16,000 in credit card debt. How many credit card offers do you get in the mail every week? Listen to this. 609 million credit cards are held by U.S. consumers. And as of May 2011, the U.S. consumer debt is $2.4 trillion. Debt's not a great thing. That's another message. A missionary from another country was visiting the U.S. and he said this, I've been overwhelmed with the materials I'm here in your country. What struck me the most was how people use their houses to make statements to each other. Wow. Their houses aren't just places to keep them warm and dry, but showcases to display their wealth and impress each other. Yeah. If you want to leave right now, you can, because it's going to get worse. Yeah, if you're not offended yet, you will be soon. The average American shops six hours a week and spends less than 40 meaningful minutes a week with their children. In 90% of divorces, money is the number one issue. Is not money a false god tearing apart marriages in our country? 90% is because of money. We're bowing down to a false god. We're putting our trust and our future and our hope and our worth in money. And all of that is meant to be put in Jesus. The sex industry worldwide is worth $57 billion each year. $12 billion in the U.S. alone. Child pornography is worth $3 billion in our country. There are more than 623 million pages of pornographic websites online. And if every porn page was downloaded and printed out, a stack of porn would be over 23 miles high. Billions of dollars. We are investing in some of the most evil trafficking and pornography and child abuse in our world. And at the core of most of the abuse and injustice and human trafficking and evil and so much of what we see all around us, so much of what we have given ourselves to and we give ourselves to every day is fueling the the most evil things around the world. And at some point we've got to get out of the hamster wheel and realize that we are caught in a very abusive, money-loving system. At some point we've got to declare Jesus, Lord, we need a Zacchaeus moment with Jesus, where we realize we won't give ourselves to that any longer. Is not money the God, the false God of America? In Ezekiel 14, 4, God says this, My people have set up idols in their hearts, 
And, and back in Jesus' day, they, they would build these massive, you know, golden calves, and they'd build altars and shrines, and, and they, they actually put a form to their gods. In our day, it's, it's a bit different, isn't it? I mean, we, we wouldn't worship a golden calf, but what about a green one? And this is what God says. He said they've set up idols in their hearts. And an and idol, money's become this idol in our culture. And idols, anything that, 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 that's, that gives me, I can put my hope in that and I can put my trust in that. And here's the thing. It's always easier to control a God that I can wrap my hands around. Because there's this unpredictable God and he's wild and sometimes he answers my prayers and sometimes he doesn't and sometimes he shows up and sometimes he doesn't. He's this wild, unpredictable God and can I really trust him? But I can always trust this God. Because when I have this, I feel secure and I feel free and my future set. When I have this God, I can always put my hope in this one. It is, it is much easier, isn't it, to put our trust and our future in a God we can control. It's much more painful to trust the God of the universe with my life. And, and the, the, question, the question here, see, I, I want to go a bit deeper. The question here isn't how much money should we give to the stirring. The question is, who's my God? Who am I bowing down to? Who am I serving? I'm blown away by how many men and women will spend 60, 70 hours a week working and bowing down, sacrificing for business and for money and for paychecks. What we will do for money that we will not do for God or people. I'm blown away how many men, how many businessmen I meet that are spending 60, 70 hours building their future and making all this money. And it's like, you won't spend an hour a week pouring into some young men? You are worshiping a false God. Your whole life is wrapped around a false God. And you need a Zacchaeus moment with the Lord. I mean, how many marriages and how many families have fallen apart because of men and women pursuing business and pursuing money and sacrificing to a false God and in the process neglecting their kids and neglecting their wives and losing everything that really matters? Floors me. And how ironic that on our Little green God, it's written, in God we trust. I'm not sure if we really believe that. Do we really trust God? Have we really brought our false gods before Him and said, I I trust you? All that stuff that makes me feel free and secure, God, that doesn't compare to the moment you call my name. The moments you pursue me. Zacchaeus is lost. He's lost in himself. He's lost in his wealth. He's lost in this abusive system. He's lost in his sin. He's lost in his greed. And he meets Jesus. And Jesus calls him out. 
And I believe this is what we're facing. We are lost. We are a culture lost in greed. We are lost in money. We are lost in an abusive, money-loving nation. And Jesus is calling us out into freedom and into trust and to declare Him as Lord. Zacchaeus needs to be saved of his sin, but he also needs to be saved of his stuff. We need salvation from our sin. Like we need to meet Jesus and he saves us from death and from our sin, but we need to be saved from our stuff. Because we think we own it, but it owns us. And I, I love so many stories in Scripture where I, I love when the, uh, some of the disciples come to Jesus and they're really wrestling through this money thing and they go, well, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Because they lived in a culture where, where it was declared that Caesar is Lord. And here's this group of Jesus followers and they're believing that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, like Jesus is Lord. So they come to Jesus and they say, well, Jesus, should we pay taxes to Caesar? If you're Lord, why would... And Jesus says, well, bring me that coin. They bring him a coin and here, sure enough, there's Caesar's face and it reads on this coin, Caesar is Lord. And Jesus says, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. Brilliant. Jesus is amazing. And then at some other point, Peter comes and says, hey, we need some money to pay taxes. I mean, if, that's, if we're going to pay taxes, like we need some money. And Jesus says this, well, hey, go down to the river. You're going to find a fish. Open the fish's mouth, and in the fish's mouth will be a coin. Just the amount you need to pay taxes. Sure enough, Peter goes, finds this coin, and he's just blown away. And it's like Jesus is saying this. Caesar can have his coins. I made the fish. It's all mine. Everything belongs to me. He can have his coins. This is not... Hear me out. This is not Jesus saying to Zacchaeus, hey, you should give 10% to the church, really. This is God. This is Jesus calling Zacchaeus out of his love affair with money. And I remember a moment in my life years ago, 12 years ago, when I, when I met Jesus and I was working at Red Robin and I, I, I was it just, I, I was after money. I was just pursuing money and and I had a nickname at, at Red Robin, Whiffum, what's in it for me? Because all I cared about was me. I was lost in wealth. I was, I was lost in Red Robin fries. And I was lost in myself. And I didn't care about anyone else. And I remember having this encounter with Jesus, where Jesus called me out of that life to begin to give my heart and my life to the things of God. And I remember instantly it began to affect my life at work. Stuff like claiming my tips. Things like being generous to the bussers. Things like, do I really need to take more tables than anyone else? Do I really need to walk with more money than everyone else? And I remember in that season, someone said something to me that just that shook me, and I'll never forget it. They said, Nate, you will either love money and use people, or you will use money and love people. And I heard that and I thought, I want to spend my whole life using money to love people. I want to love people. I want my life about that. And if God entrusts me with money, I will use money to love people. But I will never love money at the expense of using people. Anyone there? So here's Zacchaeus has this encounter with Jesus. 
His empty life and his false gods are exposed in the presence of the living God. And what I love about Zacchaeus is this. Zacchaeus becomes desperate enough and foolish enough to actually climb a tree to see Jesus. Because in this culture, a culture of dignity and honor, wealthy men did not climb trees. I mean, how often do you see this? Kids climb trees. Skaters climb trees. How often do you see the the businessmen in our community up in trees? You don't. It's foolish. But Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He really wants Jesus. His life is empty. His false gods have not given him the joy and the peace and the freedom they promised. He really wants Jesus. Does anyone just want Jesus? Does anyone want Jesus to fill their life? He is just hungry for Jesus. And he's willing to become foolish. And I think in our culture, this is what keeps a lot of us. I really believe a lot of us in this room, what keeps us from seeing Jesus the way we want to is our pride. That we, we refuse to become foolish in the eyes of man. It's our pride. We show up to church each week. We want to look good. If there was a tree in the room, most of you would not climb it. But some of you would. Because you want to see Jesus. And here's Zacchaeus. He's willing to just become undignified. He, he doesn't care. He comes to this place. I want to see Jesus. I'll climb whatever tree I have to. I don't care how foolish I look. I want to see him. And what happens is instead of seeing Jesus, he gets seen by Jesus. And now one says this. Now one says, hey, I want to see Jesus. But more than that, I want to be seen by Jesus. I want Jesus to see me. And I don't think Zacchaeus was, when he got up there, he's like, man, I wanted to see him. I didn't know he'd see me. Something about this wealthy man, desperate and foolish to see Jesus, captures the heart of Jesus. He sees this man in the tree. What I love about Zacchaeus is he's willing to be foolish for God. Anyone willing to be foolish for God? Because that's what it will cost you. Some of you, to really have this moment with Jesus, you must get foolish in the eyes of man. It will cost you everything. Some of you, you have way more than you need. And your Zacchaeus moment will cost you everything. And, and, and you have to count the cost. Are you really wanting to follow Jesus with your life? It will cost you everything. You will have to climb a tree. That's what I love about Zacchaeus. What I love about Jesus, well, a few things. One thing I love about Jesus is this, that Jesus comes into the heart of this culture and he comes to this man, Zacchaeus, and says, I choose you. He sees him up in the tree. I love it that Jesus, what does this say about Jesus? That Jesus would come to the most despised, hated, greedy man in this whole culture and call him down by name. I'm coming to your house, Zacchaeus. No wonder the people grumbled. Are you kidding me? Do you know who this man is, Jesus? He stripped us of everything. He's the most evil man we know. Jesus, do you know? Apparently Jesus knew. And Jesus calls him down by name. See, it's the grace of Jesus that leads us to repentance. 
It is His grace. God's grace is His unconditional love for us when we least deserve it and least expect it. That's His grace. It's the unconditional love of God when you least expect it and least deserve it. That's the grace of God. And it isn't, this isn't, Jesus doesn't come and say, hey Zacchaeus, you're really greedy. Give half of your wealth to the poor. If you've cheated anyone out of their taxes, pay them back four times as much. He doesn't do that. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus and says, you are loved. You are loved. You are valuable in God's eyes. Yet you've been bowing down to a false God your whole life, but now you've met the living God. And it's the love of God. It's an encounter. Jesus calls his name. If you're Zacchaeus, you're thinking, money, I'd give it all away. Jesus knows my name. Money, false God, that's nothing. I've just encountered the living God of the universe. Because all the money and all the wealth in the world can't compare to the moments he calls your name. And he comes to you when you least expect it. You least deserve it. You're the one in the tree. And he comes and says, I'm going to your house. In that moment, what's a paycheck? In, in that moment, what's, what's, what's the stuff that we've given our life to? You will either serve God your whole life or you will chase money. But you have to choose. And if you serve God, it's going to cost you everything. Everything. Because you can't serve God in money. Thanks, Annette. I've been praying for us. In this series, I've been praying. And and when it comes to money... Just been praying, saying, God, what would it look like for a people, a community in Redding, California, who have a Zacchaeus moment with God, who refuse to bow down to the false gods of our day, and you say, I will, I will no longer serve mammon, wealth, money, but I'll be fully given to Jesus, no matter what the cost. What would that look like? Imagine the God wave that spread through Jericho. Zacchaeus met Jesus. What? Imagine Zacchaeus going back to all the people he knew and making everything right. Imagine him giving half of everything he owns to the poor. Imagine the wave, the God wave through Jericho. Imagine all the lives. We don't, we don't get the rest of the story, but one day we'll get the, the full Zacchaeus film. And all the people in Pat, I'm just thinking of you. Like when I speak to you, I'm speaking to everyone that you know. And everyone you will come in contact with. And everyone you will pray for this week. And everyone you will be generous toward. And everyone watching your life to really see what it looks like to follow Jesus. So you just have to make a choice with your life. Are you going to serve money? Are you going to allow money to tear apart your marriage? Are you, are you going to allow your, your control and your fear and your worry to tear apart your family? 
Or are we going to serve God and say, you know what? We trust Him. And I want my kids to see that. I refuse to bow down to the green God. Amen? Guys, would stand. I'm going to pray for us. As we, as we respond, I, I just, I believe there are a few of us that that as you hear the story, God's speaking something to your heart. And I believe there are a few of us that are ready to come and bring our false gods before the living God. It's called repentance. It's called my heart is turning from these false idols to the living God. And, and maybe for you it's been obvious. Maybe at work you, you've blatantly taken advantage of people, screwed people out of their money, made choices, been a part of some sort of company that's, that's, that's allowed you to get richer at the expense of others. And maybe it's time to repent and say, God, no more. Maybe it's subtle. Maybe you're hearing it subtle. And it's like, wow, man, how much of my life is spent of worrying about the future and this and that. And wow, I am... Man, I'm pouring all my life into making money and not into people. And maybe you're here and the Lord's exposed something. If that's you in the most subtle or the most obvious, blatant ways, I just want to invite you to come forward. And the come forward is it's Zacchaeus stood before Jesus and said, God, you're Lord. It's really declaring him Lord. I feel like um, there are some of you, it's, it's time to become foolish in the eyes of man but to be seen by Jesus and called by name because he wants to go to your house today. If that's you and God's exposing something and you're saying, God, I want you to be Lord. If you would come, we're going to worship God, but if you would just come right now as an act of declaring him Lord, as an act of repentance, as an act of, I want my whole life, especially my money, wrapped around Jesus, his passions and his dreams. I'll be foolish in the eyes of man, God, but I want to be seen by Jesus. Just come right now. Jesus, fill my life. Have everything. Take it all. I want to know you, Jesus. things right. I want to give my life fully to the passions of God. I'm laying down this false God money. It will have no power in my life. I trust you, Jesus. I put my future in you. God, why have I worried so much about my future? It's in your hands. 
why am I spending my whole life trying to have this huge pile of money? I'm giving myself to a false God. I pray your grace would fall, Lord. Your grace that Jesus knows your name. Jesus chooses you. We hope you have enjoyed this session. For more information, please visit our website at www.moralrevolution.com.